I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Dixon, stop looking out of the window, you foolish boy. Words that still rattle around in my head with memories of miserable years at high school in Essex, resembling a learning environment more aligned to Victorian Britain than the modern day, with very little enthusiasm for allowing children to explore, learn, grow, or yes, even that dirty word, have fun. I've got to admit it was a trying experience, and it's one that I still draw from today as a platform of how not to teach or coach. You see, I spent a whole bunch of time at school distracted, less because of apathy and more because of fear of failure or getting answers wrong. Now, I've got to admit, I was probably a little bit of a shit, but the culture and the environment was not inducive to setting up focus. This is Matt Dixon, it's the Purple Patch Podcast, and today we're going to talk about focus. What does this have to do with performance? We're going to discuss focus, presence and effectiveness. But I'm not here to make the case of the requirement to be focused to create your best product, but instead thinking about the framework that is required to set yourself up to be able to be focused. It is a foundational approach to performance in setting yourself up for success, whether in work or sport. We're going to explore how to do it and, well, the rest... That's going to be up to you. But first, let's do that word of the week thing. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the way. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. The word of the week this week, guys. Heel strike. Heel strike in running. I'm going to keep this simple. And I might add probably polarizing. You see, in running... Overstriding is an issue, and overstriding will lead to you landing on the heel. But in itself, heel striking is not an evil in running. You see, your foot landing on the heel is not really a massive factor in running performance amongst many athletes. It is much more important where the foot lands versus how it lands. So set yourself up for success by focusing on improving the where over the how on foot landing. You see, you don't want your foot landing far out in front of the knee or the hip. The closer your foot lands to your hips, the less the impact and the less the deceleration the body has to overcome. It's also going to lessen ground contact time. Therefore, foot speed goes up. If the foot lands under the knee and close to the hip, it really doesn't matter how it lands, heel, midfoot, and all the other stuff that so many therapists, so many coaches, and so many athletes overfocus on. As long as there is a quick transfer to propulsion and minimal time on the ground, we should be all good. So, if you shouldn't have to focus on heel strike, then what should you focus on? Well, it's really pretty simple. Get the basics right. Put your body in a position that you can improve running speed and ultimately where your foot is on the ground. So firstly, stand tall. Good posture. Everything stacked on top of each other like a ladder. Ears over shoulders, over hips, over ankles. A slight lean forward from the ankles. And then the arms. Get the arms tidy. 
keep them supple, and any movement in the arms, at least any active movement, is swinging behind you. Anytime your arms are swinging out in front of you, it's going to lead to that dirty overstriding. And so if you can stand tall, good posture, and get arm speed going with most of that swing happening behind, these elements are setting you up so that you have a better chance of your foot landing closer to your hip, and guess what? More good things happen. Now, of course, there's much, much more to this, but what I like to say is heel strike. It ain't that important when you just think about itself. But anyway, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Alrighty, folks, let's get on with it. Magic words in performance. Focus. Execution. Presence. I spent so much time writing and discussing the value of being present. Whatever your performance journey, how important it is to focus on the right things during workouts or work to extract your very best performance. Now, these lessons have resonated with many of you. I've received many reports of athletes deciding to bypass music during training sessions or turning the television off when they've been sitting on their bike trainer. But I must admit, I've also had questions around the inability to focus in sport and work, despite best intentions. And this is a really common thing. You see, logically, it's really hard to argue with the concept that you're going to get more out of a project, a workout, a meeting or a book if you're fully immersed and focused in the endeavour. Being distracted or having the mind elsewhere is hardly a logical path to success. And this doesn't mean that logic is always going to apply in the real world, though. You see, we're all susceptible to becoming distracted, especially when we have so many competing demands on our big lives that tend to bring us. I want to be present, but my mind wanders. I want to sleep, but I wake up thinking about what I have to execute tomorrow. I tend to bring my work worries into my training, on and on and on. The buy-in for being present and focused is there, but the mind is polluted, distracted. This is a highly common complaint and normal. Don't worry, if it's you, you're not alone. And so today, let's go deeper. Rather than me just saying, hey, you want to be present in workouts, let's discuss strategies to set you up for success. How do we empower focus? How do we actually open up a gateway where we can walk in and actually provide our activities the focus and the presence that we need to yield the effectiveness that we're looking for. You see, despite best intentions, it's so easy for even the most committed to become overwhelmed and distracted. But the good news is there are simple, and they are simple, strategies that will help. Guess what? We're going to talk about two things as we go through this. The first, work. And then, sport. Let's dig into both. Let's begin. And as an endurance coach, I'm going to begin with life, not sport. I know that might sound ironic, but let's start with life. How can you be more effective in the workplace or in life with simple strategies to open up the pathway to presence? Specific tools, tools that you can focus that can facilitate improvement in presence and performance. 
While these are seemingly simple, they promise to have a highly positive impact in your ability to maximize effectiveness. So let's look at some global strategies to help. The first, your Sunday special. Plan your week. This is massively important. Your goal is to hit the ground running on Monday morning in an execution mindset and understanding the landscape of your week, what you need and want to get accomplished and begin to be prepared for major meetings or projects. Now, this exercise forces you to come up a level and it sets up a success mindset in advance. And it's stunningly simple. It allows prioritization and focus on the key elements that must move you forward. So how do you do it? Well, it's non-negotiable. But all you do is set aside a little time, making sure you've got your family and friends on board, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it takes to sit down, pen and paper and look at the week. What am I looking to accomplish? What are the key roadblocks that I have in getting in my way? Where do I need to supply my focus that's going to provide the biggest yield for me? This isn't a time that you're doing work, but instead, why we call it the Sunday special, is we're planning to do the work most effectively. And what this enables you to do, whether you're thinking about your life schedule, family commitments, meetings or work for the upcoming week, it simply enables you to prioritize. And so the very first thing to open the gateway to being present is to actually know what you're walking into when you start the week on Monday. So the second strategy is what we're going to call execution list. Now, I'm not a big fan of just checking off boxes, but I think it is really valuable to have a list of components that you want to reasonably be able to execute on a daily basis. So once you've done your Sunday special, what we should be able to create is a daily list of tasks to execute. And these have to be realistic. But with this in mind, the very first action that you should check off is the stuff that you least want to do first. What are the things that are most challenging? What are the things that you like the least? Get it done. Don't let it become a monkey. Instead, execute the stuff that's going to weigh on you. And then the rest of the day, the rest of the week will be liberated and you get the opportunity, the privilege of doing the stuff that you prefer to do and you thrive at. Now, I promise you that clearing this tougher stuff first will also be like giving yourself a nice gold star. Accomplish, and it's the biggest step towards the mountain being scaled. It will drive you forward and it won't fatigue you. You know it, so why don't you follow through? Hmm, perhaps you should. The third element, set up presence. So remember that you can only control what you can control. And so with the planning down and nailing down the sticky stuff first, getting rid of the stuff that is the boulder, the stuff that you don't like, will enable you to focus in the projects. But in order to actually maximize your focus, you have to set yourself up with environment and setting. If you're in a meeting, mute the phone, put it aside, turn off your email, commit to being an active participant. Because just like in sport, you can only control what's in front of you. And guess what? Others know who is or isn't present in the meetings. And so there is no value in you being 50% in on anything, including your meetings and your projects. 
To give you a concrete example, as I plan this episode, you couldn't have reached me. Email, phone, text, all off. Because I realise I need presence to collate my thoughts and organised so that I can make this, well, at least halfway decent. And so with you, as you go through, it isn't just about planning your week. It isn't just about knocking off the tough stuff first. But just like in sport, anything that you want to execute, you have to be all in on. And being all in means setting yourself up with the environment and also the situation so that you can be successful. Align with that is number four. Don't do multitask. Guess what? You cannot multitask. No one can. All you're able to do is share and split focus. And all that leads to is a dilution of presence in your projects. So the goal is to minimize distractions and maximize effectiveness. Focus on what you can focus on and then move on to the stuff that you can't. Any time that you dilute focus, it will not increase or improve your productivity. And you have to buy into that. And so aligned with setting yourself up with turning off email, give yourself an absolute commitment to avoid the nastiness of multitasking. Earlier on, we talked about lists, lists to execute and getting off and nailing down the things that you don't like or find the most challenging first in the day. But align with that a word of warning. Number five, don't whack a mole. You see, this is a key element that is often missed or neglected. If the success is simply only checking off tasks and then you're going to miss out on effectiveness, similar to just hitting a training program and doing what you're told without thought, gaining perspective is always valuable. Always, 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 always aim to come up a level. Ask the why. How is what you are doing going to impact the bigger picture? whether it's the team, the company, yourself, impact on others. Aiming to tie everything you do to the mission or a mission will always be a gateway to presence and focus. If you understand the why, then you'll buy in. And when you buy in, it sure amplifies focus. This becomes such an important thing because if you set up employees just to check off tasks, they're never going to be as effective. They're never going to lead to the next steps. And while they might nail the checklist, they don't actually move things forward. And so in the big picture, if you get the landscape, if you come up a level, you understand the why, the quality of your work and the productivity is only going to amplify. And finally, number six, review and adapt. In the same vein as the Sunday special, on a daily basis as you go through each week, and yes, we tend to work on seven-day cycles as human beings, at the end of each day, it's worth spending 5, 10, 15 minutes just looking back, assessing the effectiveness, as well, of course, planning and setting up the mindset and execution for the following day. These things, these six magic things, are the only way for you to create capacity. You see, presence is effectiveness, and effectiveness leads to capacity. I'll say that again. This will create capacity. Across most of our listeners, many would agree that their most valuable commodity that they have is time. Allow me to find more time. 
And I would guess that you want to do a great job in whatever you do, but often finding yourself drowning in commitments and distractions. The only way to create capacity and to execute high quality work is to become an assassin of effectiveness. Bad habits make bad output. But integrating these habits will not only ensure that your output is higher quality, you're going to gain time, capacity. Now that time can be used to either reflect and come up a level and gain some perspective or go out and do some good stuff, other stuff, fun stuff. Now a note here, don't expect or even seek perfection. You see, with all of these things in mind, we outline these strategies for success, but I wouldn't expect yourself to become a machine because we're not you will still have those days where you don't go well, where focus is rubbish, or you under-execute on the project. Adapt, learn, move on, and realise that this is life, not a cause for punishment or a reason to view yourself as failing at your job. This is a normal part of it. And, just to tease later on, it's the same thing for an athlete, of course. Every session is not going to be wonderful. Learn, adapt, move on. And so yes, what happens in the training field also applies in what happens on the workplace. All right, guys, deep breath, stand up, Ugh, stretch, perhaps pause, even go for a pee break, but please come back. Because now I'm going to take my business hat off for a moment. And I'm going to get back to my roots. Not those Essex roots where we talked about punishing high school. No, what we want to do now is apply those same strategies to your training. You see, it doesn't take a genius to take those strategies that I outlined for work and life and actually say, hang on, let's just pivot the lens to training performance. How do these apply when we think about performance in that training? Well, pretty obvious, but let's go through. The Sunday special. Yes, Combine work, life with your own sport. What's the mission of this week of training? What are the key sessions of the week? Yes, those ones that are planned to move the performance needle. What are your roadblocks? What needs to be adjusted, scaled, even removed if necessary? Don't hit Monday and say, oh, what are we doing today? Come up a level, force yourself, five minutes, look at the program, identify the key sessions, know the context of tomorrow so that it can set you up for the day following and the day following. But number two, as a part of the Sunday special, we'd also want to do a check-in, a mini assessment, come up a level, go through an assessment of the progress of the week that you just executed. But also with that, how are you doing today? What's your global status? So many people fail to actually stop and say, how am I doing? Stress, sleep, performance, mood, are you in a good place? Or do you potentially need to evolve the low to retain consistency? Simply asking the question of how you're doing and getting an honest and logical lens on your status and how things have gone can lead you into making better decisions so that you can execute better and be present and focused in the upcoming training. Number three, execution mode. So you know what you're doing. You know what you're planning to do. You've got a status of how you're doing. Hit the ground running in execution mode. 
You have to understand the prescription, the mission, and then you set about the doing. And this means that you are much more likely to be present and focused during the session. If you hit the ground running on Monday and it's the first time that you read my overcomplicated prescription of swimming, biking, running, rowing, whatever it might be, you're spending half the time just trying to work out what you're doing. But if you have the depth of meaning, you actually set up the environment that you're in execution mode because you understand the why, you understand what it is, and you can go about doing it. And when you're focused on the doing, of course, it amplifies the effectiveness of that actual piece of work. Number four, a chance for yield. You see, you don't need every workout to be a pass or fail endeavor. You don't need it to be the best power or pace that you've seen this week or month or even season. What you do need is for you to do the best job you can relative to the intention of the prescription. And when married with the resources that your body provides with that day. So each workout, and this is important so that you understand training effectiveness, each workout is not judgment day. It's actually about doing the best job you can with the resources that you have, for good or for bad. And having this liberation enables you to not get distracted, but focus on the now, on just doing the best that you can. Feel rubbish? Okay. But did you do the best job you could with the resources that you had? As soon as you have this epiphany, and then it shifts your lens on training, Because you're no longer thinking, oh no, it's not as good as I thought, or this is unbelievable, I'm going to be a hero. Instead, you're focused on doing what is prescribed as best as you can. And that enables you to stay present and focused. A tool, not just great to create training consistency and effectiveness, but a tool that is absolutely critical when it comes to your racing. Number five, log it. There's a big discussion on the best use of metrics. And yes, this can lean heavily into that thing that I call paralysis analysis. But a blend of objective, that's data, with subjective feeling and perception of effort allows an honest history to be made. It opens the door actually to dilute emotional reaction and enhance objective review. And this is the one of the reasons actually that I really like our transition to the the Today's Plan platform, as we can combine a view of quantified data with subjective wellness ratings, and then of course, workout commentary. And that's the only way that you can truly get an understanding of an athlete history. And so, yes, I encourage you, log your workouts, upload data, allow yourself to have an objective view of what you did, but at the same time, log how you felt what your stress was like, how the sleep quality was, how did you eat? Because only then, when you combine the qualitative and quantitative data, do you truly get a picture of your progress and effectiveness. And finally, number six, come out of the weeds. At the end of each week, it pays tremendous dividends to finish how you started. Get out of the weeds and have an objective review. What was good? What wasn't? How do things need to evolve in the coming week? You restart the cycle again and you jump out of the presence at a workout level 
to see the entire landscape. And this enables you to focus better and execute when you go back into those weeds early next week. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And remember, just like internalization of work effectiveness, the same applies to training. You're free to seek perfection, but don't fall into the trap of actually believing that such a thing exists. You won't train great every day or week, and you're going to go through little phases of fatigue, even apathy, and yes, plateau. You're not a failure, you're a human becoming. Or, let's put it this way, you're an athlete becoming. It's the most natural thing in the world. So as soon as you stop being your own judge and executioner, the quicker that you can get on with thriving, consistency, and focusing what matters within each workout. Presence on what matters and doing the best job with the resources that you have maximizes effectiveness. Spending cycles on whether or not you're worthy is not presence. And so set yourself up for success, make it routine and habitual, and you can expect to get much more out of work and training, but also enable capacity and time to explore other areas. And I don't think that's such a bad deal. Now, Great. But all of these tools and strategies, I'm afraid, guys, don't tell you the whole story. You see, I don't think we can talk about presence and focus without also coming up a level and looking at the bigger picture. Great. These strategies will help. But there are some basic elements that will dismantle best laid plans and effort. Now, you might remember from prior episodes that we always talk about nailing the basics. Well, here they are again. The first, training. So yes, particularly for the performance-minded, you have to realize you cannot excel and maximize performance potential in work and life without training. Not exercise, exercise is random, but training. It creates physical and emotional resilience, a dishwasher effect on brain function, and so much more. The second component, recovery and sleep. It doesn't matter if your strategies that form focus are executed flawlessly, if you are consistently underslept. You see, a lack of sleep isn't a badge of toughness. It's a marker of performance stupidity. No matter how well prepped you are, poor sleep quality and quantity will lower your ability to focus, impair your short and long-term memory, and it will disrupt your decision-making ability. Hmm. Not good, not good at all. And finally, eating habits. Yep, post-training fueling, we've talked about it a lot, but a lack of post-workout fueling, it's going to cause energy swings and therefore dovetail into a lack of focus. And poor food choices can create lethargy and focus dropping as well. You get it, the basics. I could go on, I won't today. Just remember that we must always retain the building blocks of success first and then layer on top of these basics the type of strategies that we discussed today. So I hope they help. As you hear it, get planning. And I'd love to hear how it helps. Oh, and guess what? You can tell us. Just email us, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. And talking about questions, should we get to some? I'm going to do two questions today. So the first from John Goddard. John, thank you very much. I'm not sure where you're from. You didn't give us a location. But your question is all about brick runs in the postseason. 
And the question is this. Can you talk about postseason philosophy regarding brick runs? Should an athlete be doing brick runs in the postseason? If so, how often, how much, what's the intensity and why would they be doing it? Well, the short answer is it depends. John, let's get really practical. Let's first identify what a brick run is for people that are not triathletes. So a brick run is just a short little cute saying talking about running off the bike. So once you finish a bike training session, you're putting your shoes on much as you would in a triathlon race and you're running immediately off the bike. It's a highly sports specific and dress rehearsal for the demands of a triathlete's life. And so, of course, in race specific training, it's designed to try and improve how effectively the athlete can transition to very good posture and form and shorten the time between getting off the bike and getting up to run speed and great flow. So it's a trained response with the familiarity of the sensations. And as we become more familiar and more attuned to it, of course, stress becomes lower. We become better at it, much like most things that are skill acquisition. Well, we don't need this in postseason, but I think it's also important to remember that most are doing this sport within a time-starved life. And so many in the postseason are looking to focus on running to, yes, lay down a platform of fitness and resilience for the upcoming year, but it's also an opportunity for technical development and we want to run relatively frequently while training stress is not that high to develop the resilience in the tendons, muscles and ligaments. And it's really tough to get all the running in that we want to get done if every single session is standalone. At least it's tough to do that without compromising the other disciplines. So what we do for time-starved people is create a time-effective solution. So brick runs can be wonderful to actually bridge onto the back of swims or the back of bikes. So I'm going to use the term brick pretty loosely to focus on technique combining some speed work or strength work straight off the back of the bike and begin the process of learning to get to speed quickly. They don't need to be race specific. They should be done with good form, not a bad step taken. And you're really just combining workouts through a practical lens. And so really what I would call adopting an optimization mindset So we do this on much more than just running off the bike. As I talked about, we do a lot of swim running, a lot of strength running circuits and combination because it's really about overcoming the optimization challenge. But globally, they don't need to be long. They need to be done with great form. And often it's a wonderful venue to actually include the little bit of intensity that you do do at this time of the year. So I hope that helps. That's why we tend to integrate bricks throughout the year. It's less about race specificity and more just practical inclusion of training within life. All right, second question for the day. Patrick, Patrick Snyder from the Chicago suburbs. Thanks, Patrick. And uh, scaling for workouts for newbies. So Patrick, you're 44. You've got a minimal athletic background. You just started doing triathlons for the past year and three sprints later. By the way, welcome to the club. Thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that you are hooked. You said that you've bought both books and listened to all the podcasts and the general consensus being to progress to long distance slowly. However, virtually all the guidelines in your book seems oriented towards more experienced athletes or long course racing. And so while I intend to complete long distance racing in the next couple of years, have you got any advice on scaling the workouts for us newbies? Well, Patrick, you're right. The book, The Fast Track Triathlete, is all about Ironman 70.3 and Ironman. And there's a couple of reasons for it. The first 
is there's only so much space in a book and I would love to have written a second edition almost that's just for short course athletes but with the amount of space that we had and really wanted to do a comprehensive programming and especially bearing in mind that the purpose and the mission of the book was really to crack the nut around nailing long distance triathlon in a time staff life well we had to kind of leave out the short course stuff and we have actually had with that quite a lot of beginners utilize the book and so while it isn't specifically written for short course athletes and the jump in the focus and the purpose of race specific training is a little different i can at least offer you some abcs on how to scale workouts globally so here it is just for a quick and dirty the first let's think about workout structure so i believe any workout should essentially always be built as a warm up section a pre main set that pre main set is either something technical or to prime the engine for the meat and potatoes the main purpose of the workout then we have the main set and then we might have an additional add on set maybe a little bit of speed or a little pulling set if you're swimming but something additional into the workout So those four components warm up pre main set main set and any add on add up to of course 100% of the duration of the workout generally the main set should be somewhere between 50 and 65% of the workout and the aim your aim if you're scaling it is to preserve the theme of the meat and potatoes the main set but also we can't skip completely warming up we don't just dive straight into the main set And so the steps for you would be firstly remove the add-on at the end. Anything that's there at the end you can treat as fluff. Of course there's value in the additional set, but if you have to make a decision, remove that. You can also remove the cooldown. That's the second component. The second piece is scale, don't remove, but scale the warm-up. You can then also scale or even potentially remove the pre-main set. So if you get a warm up and there's a technical pre-main set, you can remove it if your time starved. And then finally, if it's an interval driven workout, reduce the number of intervals over the duration of the intervals. So if I sent you to a running track and I said go 7 by 1 km on the track, don't convert it to 7 by 200 instead convert it to 3 4 5 6 times 1 km depending on how much time that you have now the one thing i will say patrick is stay tuned with all of this because as a very little sneak peek in january we're going to launch a brand new program and i think that that program is going to address every one of your needs that enables specifics on education your training and progression all at a very highly affordable rate as they say so i'll give you that answer at the same time i'll say hey stay tuned we're launching something special in january but I can't say any more right now. All right guys, a fun one. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Let's revisit briefly what are the lessons for this week. Well, here are a few things that I think really drew out of today's conversation. The first, we agree that focus and presence is key to success. But remember that we explored today empowering that focus. So it's less about the concept of just being present and it's more setting yourself up for success so you are able to be present and ultimately not distracted like I was in high school. The second is that any successful strategy is going to be built on a platform of the basics. That's great sleep, proper eating habits and smart and appropriate training program. 
The third, training and life have unbelievable parallel strategies. We talked about the Sunday special, planning and coming up a level to gain perspective. It's critical before just diving into the weeds. Making sure you hit the week in execution mode. With the planning in place, it opens up the chance of doing with focus instead of just diving into the weeds. Try and limit distractions. Set yourself up for success. In work, get off email. Set up the environment right. Commit to being engaged. Make sure that you tie everything to your mission. So always appreciate how your actions, work or training ties into the bigger picture. By doing this, your focus will improve because you have meaning behind what you're doing. Face your demons. Don't delay on the sticky stuff. Clear it. Then treat yourself to the more fun stuff. And give yourself a scorecard. Not in terms of success or failure, but how did you actually do? And give yourself a feeling of real progress. Of course, finally, don't expect perfection. It doesn't happen. Not every day is going to be a masterpiece, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try and set yourself up for an environment to enable it to be one if it does happen. So best of luck. Till next time, have a good one. Keep performing. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!